I remember learning how to cycle a bike. Do you want to sit? We had stabilizers on for many months, as you can imagine. And then my cousins arrived from Limerick, and one of the older ones, he advised me to take off the stabilizers and learn to cycle without them. It was great, of course, until I tried to stop. And then you can see what happened. I didn't think to put my feet down, and so the bike careered over and I fell on the ground. Discovering our talents is a bit in life is a bit like learning how to cycle a bike. You never forget how to do it, but sometimes the journey can be a little bit painful and hurtful. The parable of the talents is a fascinating image for the kingdom of God. It's one that we can all connect with. The primacy of the economic, of money, finance, that whole analysis of our world at the moment, the primacy of the economic in our national consciousness is incredible and unhealthy. The primacy of the economic in forcing us to make decisions at a national level that are not good, we could almost argue that we have talked ourselves into a corner where the only value in life is economic. Indeed, it's argued that our sovereignty as a nation has perhaps been eroded by the presence of the famous Troika. But it is the sovereignty of our thinking that has been eroded by the constant barrage of economic analysis. But at least this primary viewpoint of the economic, it allows us to gain access to this week's parable. A talent was an ancient way of measuring money. To put it into perspective, one talent was equal to, wait for it, 6,000 days of labor. 6,000 drachma, you might say, to use that coin from the gospel. And if you do the maths, work out on a minimum wage, what one talent would be if you multiply it by 6,000 days of 80 euro, given the idea of the minimum wage at 10 euro, then one talent is approximately just under a half a million euro. On the minimum wage, a person might earn one million euro in a lifetime. Roughly equal, isn't it nice to get the coincidence to two talents of money? So the parable is about our whole life long, but it's also about money. Not just about money, but what we choose to do with the money entrusted to us. And, of course, assuming that it is a parable, then money is a way of talking about all of our gifts and talents, not just our money. We have more gifts and talents than money, as I'm sure you'll agree with me. Indeed, we could argue from a very extreme perspective that we don't need money at all. Money is a means to an end. It's there to serve the needs of people, not the other way around. Our attitude to money has to be reformed, rethought out, 
But this isn't the first time in history that that has had to happen. Indeed, very recently, just after World War II, which might seem like a lifetime ago, and it is, the whole concept of money changed, even though many people who were alive at that time would have not have seen that. But we could reimagine and reform the international financial system to serve the needs of people rather than the needs of the financial system itself. It's possible, but it's maybe a little bit unrealistic to hope for it. We should still try. But there is a much more pressing implication of the gospel for us. And that is informing our own attitude to money. I met an asylum seeker in Dublin in 2004. At that time, he was receiving 27 euros a week, plus his living accommodation, which by any stretch of the imagination, you wouldn't have put a dog in it, let alone a human being. But he had somewhere to put his head, and he was given his food, again, not choice fillet steak, pepper sauce and onions and chips. He was sharing a bedroom in a house, a large house, but he was sharing this one room with three others. Each week, the four of them, they kept the seven euros out of the 27, and the four of them put the 20 euros they had left into a shared fund. So about once a month then, each one of them got 80 euros, about a day's wages, going back to that earlier analysis. Every week, one of them received the pot. They were able to save enough maybe to buy a pair of shoes each month, or maybe a mobile phone, or some writing equipment, or whatever it was that they wanted to save for. Our perception of money is very important. Our perception as Irish people in 2011 is formed by our time and place. It's formed by how much our neighbor earns, how much a top civil servant earns, how much the president earns. Indeed, the UN standard of a dollar a day formed the consciousness of the asylum seeker I speak about. He was well able to live on one euro a day. The choices we make with money, with the money we have, pay off. We reap what we sow. Spend unwisely and live poorly. Spend well and live well. A housekeeper that I used to have volunteered to teach young mothers how to prepare food from scratch. Many of them were living on social welfare and with little training they were kept poor. Not so much by the relatively poor amount of money, small amount of money that they had, but rather they were spending it on convenience foods because they didn't know how to prepare fresh food. 
teaching people how to prepare fresh food is a core way of helping the poor to a better way of life. Rather than paying for those convenience foods, they could prepare fresh, highly nutritious meals with very little money. Poverty is a reality in our world, in the contemporary Ireland, contemporary Roscommon town, in case we thought we had nothing to do with it. Changing poverty, however, has much to do with changing our perception of money. We need help to think in ways that are different to the primary thoughts and views of our world. The primacy of the economic as the only value of worth leads us to accept uncritically the decisions made by government and by those who are in power. The example of the closure of various embassies during the week by the government because there was no economic gain to be had from them is a hugely distorted view of our world. Let me give you an example. The embassy in Timor Leste was closed along with the Irish embassies in Iran and, of course, the Vatican. The reason given, which we have more or less uncritically accepted, is that these particular missions are of no economic value to us. However, we didn't set up our mission in Timor Leste also known in English, by the way, as East Timor, which you may remember, we didn't set up our mission there to gain economically. We set it up because of the massive humanitarian crisis that happened there in 1999. It was always to benefit East Timor economically that we set up diplomatic relations with them. Not that we would benefit except, of course, by our interaction with another wonderfully diverse nation, culture, and society. We are undoubtedly richer for our relationship with East Timor. I would argue that we are just as enriched by our diplomatic relations with other states, notwithstanding the Vatican, no matter what the naysayers say. The economic seems to be the only value in our society. It is distorting our vision and clouding our minds. Only we, you and I, can change that by choosing what we think and informing ourselves of other richer perspectives.